Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. You know what I took away from it? I think the Colts, looking back at their season, I'd call it a, uh, I'd call it a success. You look at where they started, one and five, getting all the way to the divisional round. Um, and yeah, as, as all of you remember, I did pick the Colts. I thought they were going to win this game straight up, but they just didn't do enough on either side of the ball. And Patrick Mahomes was particularly sharp. I thought, um, like you mentioned, didn't have any touchdowns through the air, but went twenty-seven of forty-one. For 278 yards, um, with a lot of snow on the field, I thought that was pretty impressive. And then, you know, one of my MVPs for the game, Damian Williams, 25 carries for a buck 30 and a touchdown. Um, I think you know a theme of this NFL playoffs right now is a lot of these teams with great quarterbacks who we thought couldn't run the ball, and they end up being able to run the ball really well. Um, you know, I'm talking about the Rams with C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley. I'm talking about the Patriots with Sony Michelle um, having. You know, 129 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Um, but Roz, I mean, the Chiefs. I think everybody knew that they were the better team. You know, but that means little to nothing um, in pro sports because anybody can win on any given day. But the Chiefs, you know, they kind of continued down the path that they've been, you know, on the whole season. They've been a pretty dominant offense, um, and they really rattled Andrew Luck. I mean, he just wasn't sharp throughout this entire game. Um, 24-7 and half. Now this game was kind of a snoozer, but 
you know what? Solid season for the Colts. Um, I thought they did a lot of great things under Frank Reich, and it's nice to see Andrew Luck kind of have a bounce back here. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to win comeback player of the year, and I think this Colts team, they're going to be a team to contend with, I think, in the future here. I mean, you look at the AFC South. Um, we got the Texans. We got the Colts. Um, you know, the Jaguars are, you know, I, I, can't, I can't say that they're a competitor right now. And then the Titans, I mean, you know, they compete in and out here and there. But I like what the Colts did. I think Frank Reich is going to move this team in the right direction. Um, but, yeah, this is a great matchup we got coming here in the AFC Championship game. And I think what should be a pretty long run, you know, it looks like of good football by the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in his second year, really his first year of playing, um, he's been awesome, man. He's been absolutely awesome this year. Yeah, and uh, exactly why I assume they'd cover the spread. They're just offensive, way too dynamic. I mean, Tariq Hill took one in from 36 yards out on a run. They have a lot going on, and Andy Reid wants to prove the doubters wrong, that he can win the big game. He won one big game, and he's got another one coming up this week. Let's talk about the other AFC game, though. Tom Brady versus Phillip Rivers. It was their eighth matchup. Phillip Rivers, as we mentioned last week, 0-7 into these matchups, and let it continue the losing streak as Tom Brady Picks apart the Chargers like I said he would, and Philip Rivers looked not at all impressive like I said he wouldn't be. Philip Rivers will never get past Tom Brady, and the legacy of Philip Rivers will be nah, as he will not win a Super Bowl in his lifetime, dash an AFC Championship game. Yeah, it's it's amazing how, how much domination there's been between those two quarterbacks. And you look back, I mean, both have had spectacular careers. I mean, I know Brady... Probably could say he's the best quarterback, best player ever, um, looking at his resume. But Phillip Rivers has had one heck of a career. Um, you know, I, I do think there's an outside chance he could be a Hall of Famer. Um, just look at his longevity, what he's done. He always puts up good numbers. But, you know, it's amazing that he can never win the big game, much like Andy Reid. Um, and th- this game was hard to watch. I mean, I, I felt it kind of slipping away in the first quarter. Um, but we ended up, you were down one score, and, you know, this is – Kind of the second game of my losing streak, I thought the Chargers, um, I thought they were going to cover. I wasn't sure if they were going to win straight up, but the second quarter kind of put that to bed. Um, and we talked about the theme of the running backs, these these great teams with running games that are they're kind of here and there. Um, Sony Michelle, 24 carries, 129 yards, and three touchdowns. Julian Edelman, you know, just ate, just ate the Chargers for breakfast, nine receptions, 151 yards. And Tom Brady... Everybody's talking about how he's too old, how this is is coming to an end of an era, and meanwhile he goes 34 of 44 for 350 yards and a touchdown. Um, And the Patriots just absolutely steamrolled the Chargers, and I think the final score was not indicative at all of how much of a blowout this game was. But another another disappointment for Phillip Rivers and the Chargers, but, you know, like the Colts, I saw a lot of great things this year from them, Um, but it kind of, it always comes down to the playoffs. Like, can you win the big game? And it just seems like the Chargers, as long as they've had Phillip Rivers, just can't seem to do that. But on the other side, give credit, Patriots continue what is arguably, I think, maybe the best dynasty in the history of sports. I mean, you look at the longevity there, it's it's unbelievable, really, how dominant they've been. Yeah, I also want to point out two other pretty amazing statistics in this game. Melvin Gordon, nine carries, only nine carries for 15 yards. He did score one touchdown, but that is atrocious from a guy of his caliber to perform that way in a big game like this. And I know they were down early and down often, but you've got to get something going with Melvin Gordon. I mean, he wasn't even that big of an impact in the receiving game, which he was all season. He had one catch for 11 yards. 
And then you look at the other side, although it was dominated on the ground by Sonny Michel, you had 15 catches from James White for 97 yards. I mean, that's absolutely absurd. He picked them apart just as you said Julian Edelman did. James White looking like the Super Bowl guy he was when they came back and beat the Atlanta Falcons two years ago. This Patriots team, they just click. It doesn't matter. Once playoff time comes, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are smarter and better than you are, and they're going to let you know when they meet you on the field. Yeah, and James White you know, tied the, the playoff record. Um, and it's it's amazing you know, that a guy who made the game-winning play in the Super Bowl two years ago against Atlanta – um, how still like he's not like the guy in the backfield, but it just seems like you know every every given week like there's a Patriots player who just just kind of shows out and just has an unbelievable performance. And you know I think Tony Michelle and James White like that duo in the backfield. It was un- it was a great effort by this Patriots team, and you know I feel like you know a lot of it has to do with Tom Brady. I think there, there's not one guy in the league who has as much experience and as much as much success in big games. And another part of it. I think for me, it's got to be the game planning. Like Bill Belichick um, is, is just a mastermind when it comes to just football in general, but especially when it really counts in the playoffs. It just seems like his teams are always, they're just way better prepared for anything that could possibly happen. And as good as, you know, as flashy as teams can look, as good as they can look on the outside, like a lot of football has to do with the game plan. And Bill Belichick has just shown that, you know, he might be the greatest guy in the history of pro football um, at just reading teams, reading defenses, and just doing everything that makes a team successful. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. When we get back after the break, we're going to break down the NFC matchups in the divisional round. Then we've got two conference championship games coming up. We're going to get all to it after the break. But if you miss the show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm and amfm247.com. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Whitson Rouse here at Sporting Edge, and we are back with the NFC side of the divisional round. We have the Rams, Cowboys, and the Saints, Eagles. We'll start with the Rams and Cowboys. 30-22, to the final score is 27 at half. Cowboys gave a little bit of a run in the second. Michael Gallup, probably the most impressive player on that team on Saturday with six receptions, 119 yards. But it was fat boy C.J. Anderson coming in the clutch. Who is Todd Gurley anymore? I don't care. C.J. Anderson, 123 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Unbelievable performance on his part and helped the Rams kind of clinch this game and take control of the time and the entirety of the game. Yeah, you you thought C.J. Anderson looked a little chunky in a Broncos uniform, but, man, if you saw him in the navy blue of the Los Angeles Rams, um, he looked like he'd be eating good this entire season, but he rumbled stumbled his way to 23 carries and 123 yards. Um, Todd Gurley wasn't too shabby himself, had 16 for 115 yards and a touchdown. This Rams team, 48 rushes for 273 yards and three touchdowns. They averaged almost six yards a carry. Um, And for a Dallas Cowboys team that I think prided themselves a lot on their defense this year. Minimums and fees seem to be the foundation of your typical... Wow. Dude. Wow. You know who did that to me? Was that a CBS ad? No. It was an ESPN ad. No. ESPN's (laughs) creeping in now. And I clicked the box. But getting back to my point, Roz, um, Dallas Cowboys defense, I mean, they got whipped around this game. Uh, You know, Jared Goff only threw for a 186, but all about the running game here. Like I mentioned, almost 300 yards on the ground. And 
I know this game was a, ended up being a one possession game, but twenty to seven at halftime. Um, this Rams team got kind of like the Patriots against the Chargers, just a superior team playing at just a much higher level than this Cowboys team. Um, but I agree with you. Give a little shout out to Michael Gallup. Thought this was his biggest performance of the year. I had him on my fantasy team all year, and he didn't really do much of anything, but had a pretty good game. Six receptions, 119 yards. Um, but, you know, the Dallas bell cow, Ezekiel Elliott, 20 carries for 47 yards. Very similar effort to Melvin Gordon. They can never get him going. They were down early, and they were down often. Um, and Ezekiel Elliott, the past three years, you know, in the top three of every – Rushing category. Um, yes. Oh my God! What did they, you, you know? What I'm getting rid of the box score. I don't need to look at any more stats. The game was a blowout, but Jason Garrett looks like he's going to be on for another ten years. So Dallas fans will have to deal with that moving forward. Yeah, it's the perk of winning a playoff game. Marvin Lewis was never able to do it, and Mike McCarthy hasn't done it in a long time. But Jason Garrett, you win your one, and you keep going on. Um, I have not. I don't have a lot to say about it. Jared Goff wasn't that impressive. He's going to need to step up moving forward. The run game obviously was super, super impressive. We'll see if they'll be able to do that against the Saints, who well, have a good defense. It looked a little sparse at the beginning when it was fourteen nothing, and Nick Foles looked like it was. He was creating magic again with a nine for eleven start, one hundred eighty-seven yards, and two touchdowns. One through the air, one on the ground. Nick Foles looked like the magic was still there. He's definitely created a lot of controversy in terms of what they're going to do at quarterback there. Brett Favre has come out and said he believes Nick Foles should be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles moving forward, whereas the team has said they're going to stick with Carson Wentz. Talk about this game to me, Wits. This was one where Drew Brees started slow but finished strong, 301 yards for two touchdowns, had Kamara on the ground, and your boy Michael Thomas loves eating the football. 12 for 171 yards and a touchdown. He looked fantastic. Yeah, if you forgot about Michael Thomas the last few weeks of the regular season, um, definitely reminded how much of a stud this guy is. I mean, almost 200 yards receiving. Um, man, this was this was a disappointing effort by the Philadelphia Eagles, I thought. I mean, they were up 14-0. It looked like they could have won that game, like 48-zip. They were flying all over the field. Nick Foles was as hot as can be. Um and they, they literally just flipped a switch and turned off for three quarters. They didn't score a point the rest of the game. And the Saints, the Saints really had to grind this game out. They didn't look great. Um, and they, you know, they won by a score. Um, but that's what, that's what really good teams do. You know, when they don't have their best stuff, they come out, they weather the storm. Um, you know, going down, excuse me, 14 nothing in the first quarter. It, everything was going wrong, but Drew Brees ended up with a real solid effort. 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. Um, so I, I think this hurts as, a, as an Eagles fan, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm an Eagles fan, but if you're an Eagles fan, I mean, knowing that you have a guy who's the hottest playoff quarterback um, last year and kind of rolls right rolls that into this year, you know, the Eagles were basically playing for their playoff lives, you know, in week 15, week 14. Um, they made it all the way through. They won last week against the Bears, which I think are a better team than them. They were killing the Saints, who were a better team than them. Um but yeah, I think I, I got to throw a lot of blame on Doug Peterson here uh, for not rallying the troops and at least keeping, you know, keeping a stranglehold on the Saints here because they just they literally did not do anything the rest of the game. And credit to Sean Payton and Drew Brees. I mean, they grinded this game out at a number one seed for a reason. And now we're, we're setting up, I think, what is another fantastic conference championship between probably the two best teams in the NFC and the Rams and the Saints. So disappointing for Philly fans, but 
I mean, if you're going to tell me over the past two years you get two playoff appearances in a Super Bowl, I think you would take that. Um, but it's sad to see it end this way, and then that kind of plays into next year, like what's going to happen with Nick Foles. My gut feeling is that you know they go back to Carson Wentz. I think he's definitely their future there. But I, you know, I do see what Brett Favre is saying. I mean, you know, the guy Nick Foles has, you know, been second to none these past couple playoffs. But you know, there's a reason he hasn't really been a career starter. But it, you know, when you when you see him perform it in, you know, when the lights shining the brightest in these big games, it, it's hard to turn away from a guy like that. Um, but I think the Eagles would be okay. And yeah, Saints move on, and we got two awesome matchups here. Right, and Vegas clearly not having a whole lot of work when it comes to the conference championship, putting the lines at minus three and a half right now for the NFC championship and minus three for the AFC, which basically means any home field or any home team starts off with a three-point advantage as is. Looks like they're going to call this close to the book. I don't know which way it's going to go. I know that I'm going to let you pick first when we start getting into these games. You wanted to talk NFC, the Rams Saints, the one and two, all chalk so far. How do you feel about that game? Yeah, I love the that the three point little wisdom there. I remember that, that was one of the first things I learned uh, from my dad about football gambling is the home team gets three points. So you, you said it exactly right, Roz. I mean, Vegas sees these matchups pretty close to even here, and I, and I happen to agree with him. I think you know all these teams are they have their different strengths and weaknesses, but they're they're four very good football teams, and this is an interesting matchup for me. Um, I just think the team that's better prepared is going to win this Rams Saints game. You know, if the Saints come out like they did against Philadelphia, I have a feeling that this game could get ugly pretty quick. Um, but my my X factor in this game is going to be Jared Goff. There's no doubt for me that this that the Rams are going to run the ball pretty effectively. Um, the Saints have a very good run defense, but you know, I have a feeling that they're not going to be able to contain Todd Gurley for four quarters. But Jared Goff, I think he's going to be tasked with a lot of tough decisions. I think he's going to have to make some plays. I think Drew Brees is going. To, I think he's going to be, you know, pretty solid. I'm not. I don't think he's going to throw for 400 yards. But I think the Saints team is going to put up, you know, 24 to 27 points, somewhere in that range. Um, and it's going to be up to Sean McVay and Jared Goff to see what they can do with the rest of the game. But you know, I actually do like the Rams here. E. Um, I know the Saints are at home. I know the last time they were the number one seed, they won the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, seeing what that Philadelphia Eagles team did in the first quarter, you know, I think the Rams offense is almost twice as potent as that as that team's offense. So if they could get up big and get up early, I think they could force Drew Brees into a lot of tough decisions. Um, but I, I like the Rams. I like what they're doing. They've got a lot of momentum. They just kicked the crap out of a, a decent Cowboys team and a decent defense. So I like the Rams in this one, but I, I think it'll be a fun matchup to watch. And it, it's always fun watching Drew Brees, one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. Should be a good one, but I like Rams 28-24, um, and they head to the Super Bowl. Wow. Well, I'm going to go on the other end of it, like me and you have been against each other the entire time. I'm going with Saints here with the minus three and a half. Drew Brees, after the devastating loss in last year's NFC Championship game to the Vikings, um, I just lied. That in whatever – Divisional round. On that last, uh, Stephon, uh, it was the divisional round, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Divisional round. All right, a little off. But still devastated about that. For some reason, I'm mixing up my rounds. They're going to come out. They're going to dominate the ball through the air. That defense of the Rams has not looked as sharp as it's been. Akeem Tlaib shaken up a little bit last week. I know he'll probably be okay to play. But I like Drew Brees and the aerial attack. I don't think they're going to get down early like that. 
and at a certain point it's going to be on Goff to keep up with Breeze, and we haven't seen that in the playoffs so far. Dash, we haven't seen that down the end of the uh, regular season stretch. I like Breeze here. I think they win 35-24, to 24, and if not 35 that is the pick. You heard it here. If you miss the show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, is seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back for our final pick, final game before the Super Bowl. We've got the Chiefs and the Patriots. Like I said, Chiefs are favored by three points just because they are the home team. Weather is warming up. Initially, they thought it was going to be cold and snowy and blistery in Foxborough, but it will not be. Tom Brady coming in there saying he's not worried about being the underdog and that they've been the underdog all along this season, quote-unquote. Um, I'm going with the Patriots. I think they're going to pull this one off, Mahomes. Although being sharp last week, it's going to be tough going up against this team. They've seen him already. Bill Belichick already knows what he's going to do, how he's going to dismantle this team. He had one crack at it before. He's got a second chance to do it again. And with Andy Reid's uh, typical success in the postseason, I don't see it going very well. Tom Brady headed back to his third straight Super Bowl. Hopefully, um, he can be stopped there, but it doesn't look like the AFC is putting many formidable foes in his way to another Super Bowl chance. Yeah, and uh, Roz, I'm actually going to go on your side because I I couldn't have been more wrong in the NFL playoffs so far, but if it were me, and I, I might even make a wager this weekend on the Patriots, I feel pretty confident, especially as an underdog, that Tom Brady is going to be able to take down this Chiefs team. Um, I just, I think they just got so many weapons, and I, I know the Chiefs have a lot of weapons too. But you know, out of the backfield with Michelle and White, you've got you still got Gronk, Edelman, um, Chris Hogan. It just got so many pieces, and then obviously the piece that puts it all together, Tom Brady. You know, he's been here so many times, and I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes can't beat him, but. I, I just don't see how you can't like the Patriots here. Um, I think this will be a, a good game, and I think you feel confident too if you're the Chiefs. I think if there you know there's one guy who could take down the Patriots, I think you like Patrick Mahomes. He's a gunslinger. He can make a lot of big plays. Um, and I know you've compared him to Brett Favre a lot on the show, but you know maybe sometimes that's what you need. Um, you need a guy who's not afraid to sling it around and do some things that a lot of other quarterbacks in the league can't do. Uh, but I, I love the Patriots here. Uh, I like them straight up. I like them plus the three. And I, I think we have another Patriots, another Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, Super Bowl in the mix. Um, but I, I do think this will be an awesome game. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, 
two and the games are two oh five and five forty central time on Sunday. So a little bit of a time switch up here, but I agree with you, Roz. I'm with the Patriots. Um I think they take down Andy Reid and they get back to another Super Bowl. Yeah, setting up for me a Saints and Patriots Super Bowl and for you a Rams Patriots Super Bowl. I think it'll be interesting. I don't really know how I'm going to break down the Super Bowl yet since it's not actually here and actually set up. But, yeah, it's been a crazy NFL season. And uh, do you have any quick NFL blurbs you want to get out there, any news other than Antonio Brown stuff? Since we're, I think we're going to boycott Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're just going to boycott them, not give them their time. They've already caused enough ruckus in, uh, in the last two years. But any other NFL news you want to glance over? I mean, I think the biggest thing for me right now is, is looking at the upcoming draft. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk around there about Kyler Murray, um, and I could see him being, you know, he could be a number one pick. I mean, you never know. Uh, so that's what I'm looking at right now. But you, you brought up Antonio Brown, um, and, you know, whether he stays or leaves, I don't think it'll be a big deal. I think Juju Smith-Schuster quickly becoming um, a top receiver in this league. I think if, if you watched any Steeler football this year, you saw that I think this guy is definitely ready to take the reins. But for me, it becomes, you know, the question, how much longer is Ben Roethlisberger going to play? Um, you know, he's He's been pretty indestructible. You look at his career, um, you know, how many hits he takes and how much he's able to escape pressure um, and escape pressure when guys are on him in the pocket. I think we, we could be nearing the end of what has been a pretty a pretty darn good run by the Steelers here. But other than that, in the NFL, I'm, I'm just pretty focused on playoff football right now. I don't really like the week layoff with the Pro Bowl because I think it's the worst uh, professional, you know, pro sports weekend, Pro Bowl, um, comparing it to the NBA, the MLB, and the NHL. Um, but, you know, my early favorite, I think we got to talk about early favorites for the Super Bowl. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Patriots here, um, whether they face off against the Saints or the Rams. Um I like them. I like what they've been doing, and I just, I just don't think it can bet against Tom and Bill in the playoffs. I know the sample size is only small, but Drew Brees, given the shot in the Super Bowl, is a monster quarterback slayer. He took down Peyton Manning. I'm sure he's ready to take down Tom Brady. I think the Saints would win if they made their way to the Super Bowl, and the Saints go marching on. It's marching in, but nice try, Roz. Um, right. I know it's in, but they're marching on to the Super <laughs> Bowl title. On. That's great. So yeah, so we uh, we are coming near the end of another football season. I'm um, gonna have to get back to the drawing board in fantasy. Get all the new the new updates. Um, we got a little contract dispute between Leonard Fournette and the Jaguars right now with some bonus talk. Um, and uh, one thing we didn't bring up though, Roz, Alshon Jeffrey, the man who said he has some of the surest hands in the league, did drop the biggest pass in that game versus the Saints uh, when they had a chance to tie the game late. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it literally was right. Th- I think you could have caught it. Well, I mean, I know I could have caught it. I'm the best receiver in the in the Midwest, at least, and maybe even the United States. But, yeah, it's tough, especially after he did a lot of jawing. And I know Bears fans probably felt rejoiced after he was jawing all last week when he beat the Bears in the first round. But uh, it's tough. It happens. Happens to the best of them. I've seen Antonio Brown. I've seen Odell Beckham drop balls. It's just you don't know when it's going to come. You don't know when it's going to pop up. But it happened at a very inopportune time. And now Sean Jeffrey should definitely take a good portion of the blame for that loss. Had the opportunity to drive down the field and potentially keep Nick Foles' magic alive. 
fortunately, it was not the case. Yeah, and you, that's the one thing. You hate making a mistake, but then kind of, kind of doubling down and having it go through your hands, then getting intercepted. Um, I was personally, I, and I kind of wanted to see the Eagles score um, and have a chance to win the game, but it just wasn't in the cards. So, you know, overall in the NFL playoffs, you know, as exciting as I thought they were going to be, and they, they have been pretty exciting so far. Um, it's chalk, chalk. It's 1-2 versus 1-2. Um, and then, you know, we fight on to Atlanta, and we'll see what happens there. But, you know, Roz, we've got, got some stuff going on in the MLB right now, um, some talks. We still don't know where Manny Machado, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are going to end up. I think the Phillies end up with Harper. That's my opinion. Um, and it looks like the, the White Sox might be making a little play for Manny Machado, so that's exciting. But I know we got college basketball. I know you've been following that uh, pretty often. So, you know, take us through the scene right now. I know it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, what, what's going on in the world you know of college I'm ready. basketball right now? Well, college basketball is in full effect. We have reached conference play. Xander's been keeping me on the shelf. I'm like, I keep him I keep them. I don't even ever put you on a shelf when Major League Baseball comes around. I let you get your power rankings in every single week. But I'm here to talk about what's going on in college basketball. Duke, obviously number one, took a tough loss this week to Syracuse. I'm sure you didn't catch that game, but it was a tremendous game and very honorable by Duke. I know they lost, and how can I say they're the number one team in honorable loss. They did it without Cam Reddish. They did it without Tyus Jones, which is not his name, Trey Jones, the younger one of the brothers who injured himself, he's going to be out indefinitely with shoulder injury, which is going to be a problem down the line unless he comes back. Um, Duke's still my favorite. Like I said, if they get Trey Jones back, it's a team that just looks absolutely unstoppable. I mean, Zion Williamson is challenging with people who say he's only a dunker. He can shoot. He can pass. He is definitely by far and away the player of the year at this point in time. Um, but there's some other good teams, Xander, and I, I really hope you start cashing in on some of these. With Michigan, 17-0, just took down our Northwestern Wildcats at Northwestern by 20 points. They are one of the last two undefeated teams, Virginia being number four. They're 16-0. and And Tennessee sticking it to me. I did say the SEC is a brutal conference, but they're 15-1, and and they are blowing out the competition, taking down Arkansas this week, 106-87. to The best thing about these four right now, Saturday we get Michigan at Wisconsin, potentially a trap game, potentially an area where they could get their first loss, and we have Virginia on the road at Duke. And Duke, obviously, looking like they're going to drop from the number one ranked position. But if they win at home against the number four undefeated Virginia, you can bet your ass they're going to stay at number one in the AP polls. Anybody interest you in the AP top 25 or AP top 10? Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I've been taking a little bit of a look at Michigan. Um, and it's pretty unbelievable that they're, they're still undefeated this year. But I agree with you. Um, they face a tough, ma- tough matchup tonight uh, heading to the Kohl Center. Um, facing a pretty desperate Wisconsin team, um, so I know, it, you know, as bad as Wisconsin can look, I think they're definitely a team that can give Michigan a run for their money. Um, and then looking at Michigan's schedule, they're off to Bloomington to play Indiana, um, who's been playing some pretty good basketball this year. So if Michigan's able to survive those two games, minus the minus the absolute digging they just took at home to Nebraska, and they're on a three-game skid. I just want to take a quick shot since I lost money on my last three Indiana games which happens to be their three-game losing streak. <laughs> they, they are still eking in the top 25. They're at number 25 right now at 12-4. and four. Um, But we're going to get to more college basketball after the break. That is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm and amfm247.com. We'll be back after the break with more of the top 25 and sneaking in the power rankings, too. Don't forget about that. We'll see you after the break, everybody. 
What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back for our final segment, and it's all college basketball from here. Xander's going to use some power ranking metrics that I don't believe in when it comes to college basketball, and I'm going to be sticking to the true and tidy AP Top 25. Xander, I do want you to pick this game, Virginia-Duke, since I'm kind of on the fence about it. Duke, potentially, without their starting point guard. Cam Reddish will be healthy and will play. But Virginia, beyond impressive, and I know me and Rube have texted back and forth about this, but Virginia took on this week Virginia Tech, who is ranked ninth currently in the country. They will fall after their loss. They held Virginia Tech to 59 points, and they beat them soundly 81-59. to Very impressive win for Virginia. I know they're not getting a lot of credit because they did lose to a 16 seed last year in the tournament, but this Virginia team might be the best team in college basketball right now. Yeah, and you know the one thing that they're going up against Duke, they have a lot more momentum than Duke right now, and you mentioned just a – an awesome win versus Virginia Tech. They won by 22. It was an absolute blowout. Um, my big X factor in this game is Ty Jerome. Um, was terrific against Virginia Tech at 12, at 14 points, um, dished out 12 assists. And I, I really like this Virginia team too, Roz. And I think, you know, they kind of get a bad rap. It's hard to get that taste out of your mouth, especially um, if you picked them to go all the way last year. But I think Tony Bennett has this team firing on all cylinders. Um, and it, it'll be tough for Duke, you know, if they don't have their starting point guard. Um, they're a great team, but this Virginia team has a lot of Mr. Mo right now. Um, and I, I think they're going to take down Duke. Uh, but, you know, we're kind of setting ourselves up for the tournament here. Um, anything can happen then. But right now, I do like the Cavaliers, um, and I think they keep marching on. Absolutely. And once we got hop out of the top four, which we've been on, we've got Gonzaga at five, who's just doing their normal Mountain West routine, just going through it. They beat San Francisco earlier this week. They've got Loyola Marymount um, tonight, or Thursday night when we were recording this. Michigan State, six. I didn't get my bet in on them today. They are covering at half. Here on Thursday, that'll be their only game of this week. They're playing Nebraska on the road. Nebraska actually being pretty, pretty good has been pretty good is the word I was looking for. They're thirteen and four this year, and like I said, went on the road to Assembly Hall and beat Indiana. Kansas at seven is a very interesting team. I think you're going to see a steady decline. They do have the loss in Twins, who have been really, really good, but they lost as of week A for the rest of the year. They barely got past Texas again, that they did have a pretty decent lead on in and ended up having to win by the last within the last couple of minutes, only 80 to 78 the final score. They go on the road against West Virginia on Saturday. We got Texas Tech at number eight. They unfortunately took a loss to Illinois, or Iowa State earlier this week. They're going to take a bit of a drop. Virginia Tech took a loss. And Nevada playing a close game against DSU. Unfortunately, I don't know what the abbreviation stands for. They won 72-71. They're not as good or as sharp as I thought they would be. They are 17-1, obviously a good-looking record, but they play in a pretty weak conference. Any of those bottom top 10 teams that interest you so far this year, Wits? Yeah, well, I think I'm always looking at a team like Michigan State. Um, Tom Izzo has been at it for so long. Um, But, you know, they are going on the road for four of their next five games. So I think this will be a tough stretch for them. I mean, their lone home game is against a pretty hot Maryland team. Um, so they, they are looking like a dark horse contender for a national championship right now, in my opinion, uh, 15 and two, they're playing some great basketball. Um, but you know, Joshua Langford in, is injured right now. I think he's a big piece to that team. Um, but I, I do think they'll make a little noise in the tournament this year. Um, so a lot of familiar faces around the top 10, but yeah, you look at Texas tech, 
Um, they're playing some great basketball. I know they lost uh, 68-64 to Iowa State on Wednesday. Um, defense really struggled in that one, Rods. I think that's that's been one of their um, you know one of their strengths this year is their defense. But you know Iowa State scored 41 points in the opening 20 minutes. Only the second time this year that Texas Tech has allowed 40 plus points and a half. Um, just weren't really consistent on the offensive end. Only shot 6 of 15 from the free throw line, so I do think the Red Raiders will bounce back um, against Baylor today. Um, but yeah, you brought up Nevada, and then I'm looking I'm looking at the power rankings right now, but number 11, we got the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, just trounced Georgia on Tuesday, 69-49. Any thoughts on Kentucky? You think they're going to be able to make a run this year? Uh- Offensively, not good enough to make a run this year. They have a big matchup at Auburn today. Um, I think Auburn's going to absolutely dismantle Kentucky, and we'll see if I'm correct. But Kentucky just doesn't have scores, shooters. I mean, they have people who can get to the rim, like usual. They just have the superstar athletes, but they just have nobody on that team that can step out, hit big shots when they need it. Kentucky, again, played a pretty weak schedule after their initial losses we saw and are playing in a conference. I don't think that's impressive i mean obviously if they can get past the auburns and the tennessees of their conference it'll be a little more impressive kentucky like unc just two teams i don't think have it this year i mean unc could barely got past notre dame this week um unc's been struggling to win the big games and haven't capitalized at all so i'm i'm against i'm uh i'm not pro i'm the opposite of pro for kentucky and north carolina and I think an interesting team uh, in the top 15 right now, any thoughts on the Buffalo Bulls? I mean, they're 16-1 and right now. Um, Western Michigan tested them a little bit on Tuesday, but they ended up coming out on top 88-79. Um, Jeremy Harris, once again, the star for the Bulls, went for 22-11. and He's got 73 points and 21 rebounds the past three games. Um, you know, easing some pressure off C.J. Massenburg, who I think has, has been another key to the Buffalo Bulls' success this year, but you know what? What do you think about them? I know they play in a, in a I think it's the AAC. I want to say I'm not not 100 percent sure, but you know another small conference team. Um, can they make any noise this year? Definitely can make some noise. They're feeling the same energies the Bears were feeling when they traded for Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack spirit still there for Buffalo. Um, yeah, they're a scoring team. Obviously, we saw them lose to Marquette, who is the team ahead of them in the AP poll, and has actually been on a great stretch. But uh, Buffalo, if they can continue to put the ball in the basket, they can compete with any of these teams ahead of them and any of these teams below them. It'll be interesting to see where they're seated come tournament time. But Buffalo, whatever they are, will definitely make some noise. Yeah, and then, Rozzy, we talked a little bit about Zion Williamson being clear-cut player of the year right now. Um, But I'm looking at a couple other guys who I think, you know, if they're able to make a late charge, um, could be you know, throw their name into the conversation. And one of those guys, definitely Grant Williams um, from Tennessee. You know, he has been, it seemed like he's been there for like 10 years, but he's playing some great basketball right now. I mean, he's 6'11", um, making 73% of his shots um, and 53% of his jump shots, which is pretty good for a big man. Um, but what do you think about Grant Williams? Does he have any shot to take down uh, player of the year crown from Zion Williamson? He's having an incredible year, but I just don't see it. I mean, even in that loss to Syracuse, you saw when it just came down to who needed to put the ball in the basket, Zion Williamson was the guy to do it. He dictated the game. He was the center and focal point of every single game. He's by far and away the best player. But definitely, you got some talent on that Tennessee team. And like you said, Williams has definitely been making some noise this year. I think R.J. Barrett would be even the next best option to try to dethrone Williamson. But 
that's not going to happen, or even Marcus Howard at Marquette, who's just been on absolute scoring tear. But uh, I think Williamson's just heads and heels above everybody else. Yeah, I agree with you. R.J. Barrett, um, you know, playing on the same team as Williamson, could make a little noise. Um, Diedrich Lawson um, for Kansas, I think with Azubuke out for the rest of the season, I think he could, you know, step into a bigger role and possibly get his name in there. Um, and then also looking at Tennessee, Admiral Schof- Schofield, Schofield, not really sure how to pronounce it, but um, that's a pretty dynamic big man duo there uh, in Tennessee with Schofield and Grant Williams. So I think now that's a couple interesting guys to look at. Um, but we got about a minute left, Roz. Uh, you know, we're, we're in conference play. We are coming. We are getting closer to March every day. Um, you know, what are we looking at the rest of the week? Uh, any other big news out of college basketball right now? Just got to see how the Big Ten performs against one another. It's a conference that right now is expected to have nine teams in the tournament, and we're going to need to see some sharing of wins and losses. I think Michigan and Michigan State may pull away. Purdue has definitely had the toughest schedule. I'd like to see them continue to win. They've had some big wins recently and are moving closer to the AP Top 25. Indiana will fall out. They're really not that talented of a team. Um, no love lost for Archie Miller who left Dayton. But, yeah, the Big Ten is definitely – the conference to be watching because they will be represented well from tournament time. That's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. You heard it from Roz. Watch the Big Ten. Uh, a lot of good matchups going on there. Uh, big conference championship week in football. Don't miss it. We're going to break down all the action next week. we got two weeks to preview the Super Bowl. Have a great weekend, everybody. Um, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.